Thanks for joining us for the Changing the Industry podcast, where we try to effectuate change for the better, one conversation at a time. Part of that change is providing help for those that need it. This is why we've partnered with the Institute for Automotive Business Excellence. Whether it's help with sales, operations, or just getting your numbers in order, these folks are some of the very best in the industry. And for our listeners, they'll sit down with you and go over your strengths, your weaknesses, and the opportunities that are in front of you. They'll create a customized plan for how to move forward absolutely free. That's right, free. And if your plan includes one-on-one coaching, they can also help you with that. There's no hard sales pitch, no obligation, just honest help from honest people. So if that's something that you think could benefit you, make sure you click on the link in the show notes. And now, on to the show. I remember how it used to be. The phone's ringing off the hook. Clients are coming in the front door like crazy. And here comes little technician Timmy. Timmy comes up and he says, hey boss, where's my part? Where you want me to go next? What you want me to do? Gosh, Timmy, if I knew, I'd tell you, buddy, but I am covered up. All of that stopped when I found Shopware. With Shopware, you get an industry-leading expediter right there in the software. It tells you if your parts are here, where your technician should go next, and how much time they have left to complete the jobs in the day. Go to GetShopware.com to learn more. GetShopware.com. Hey everybody, David here, and welcome to the ASOG Podcast. In this episode, Lucas and I had the opportunity to sit down with one of the resident experts within the Auto Shop Owners Group, Bill Hill, the owner of Mighty Auto Pro in Medina, Ohio. Bill is always a wealth of information, so getting the chance to pick his brain was fantastic. Before we get to it, though, do us a favor and head on over to youtube.com, type in ASOG. Once you see our channel, please take a look around, and if you like what you see, hit that subscribe button. It would really help us out. Plus, you don't want to miss all the new content that we'll be putting out very soon. If you're listening to this on your favorite podcast listening app, make sure you have a set to automatically download the latest episode so you never miss an upload. And now, here we go. that I thought would stop printing 15 minutes ago is still printing. So um, we're working okay, through it. most of your stuff out anyway. Exactly. <laughs> exactly. How are you guys doing tonight? Doing very well. Thank you. Very good. Very good. Where, well, where it's out of paper, so we should be able to start here in like 10 seconds. <laughs> so, so you're in Kansas. Where are you, Lucas? I'm in North Carolina. Okay. In the mountains of North Carolina. I'm up here on top of the hill. I'm a big fan of the Carolinas. I do a lot of uh, used to do a lot of golf trips down there. Um, Sixteen oh, to thirty good. of us used to go every year. We used to have a blast. Oh, that's awesome! What golf courses? Um, <clears throat> you know, I'm going to say they were all mostly around Myrtle Beach or in, near Eastport. Yeah. Um, so the name, the name, the ones that you could probably come up with, I probably played most of them. Right. Um, I know a lot of them have changed their names, um, but <clears throat> we found. Um, we got down near Wilmington one year because we couldn't mm-hmm. get into Myrtle Beach, and we fell in love with that area, um, right? Oh, the yeah. Eastport area, and we never went back to, to Myrtle Beach. We went there every year. The, the places were phenomenal. They treated us like you know, uh, really, really well. We, we played as long as we wanted to. Um, the, the the guys always remember us. The the guys who worked uh, 
the, the office always worries because we'd go out and we'd play till morning till dark. And, right. you know, golf course would be shut down at five o'clock and we'd go to the kid who was collecting carts saying, hey, look, if we collect some money, can we go out and play another nine? Sure. This kid would wind up making two, three hundred dollars for an hour and a half's worth of work. <laughs> so, nice. oh, that is awesome. That is awesome. Well, so the one of the the big um, one of the big ones that that everybody plays at here is in Pinehurst. I've actually got a cousin who worked for the PGA um, designing golf courses for a number of years, and then he went to work for some some different towns and and did landscaping stuff like that but he was a golf course designer and and maintained golf courses for years um and his daughter has become um junior pga champion um just time after time after time it's pretty neat i'll send you some links here uh, she's 4a state champion runner up individually in a total 4a domination uh in her class so pretty that's, cool that's outstanding that's really really cool i mean have you guys um you know, in this type in work, since I'm in Ohio, of course, we do the time change. So we often, we always fall back in the, the fall and spring forward in the, in the, in the spring. And right. my brain is like on overload because I usually get up every morning at 3.30 and my brain still thinks that I'm on the old time schedule. So now I'm getting every mo- up every morning at 2.30, you know, wow. and instead of 3.30 and my body thinks my brain is an idiot. <laughs> so- right. Oh, absolutely. <laughs> Well, you know, for years I did the whole 3.30 a.m. thing and I would get up at 3.30 and I would I would take some kind of me time and, and sit back and chill a little bit um, and relax. 3.30? And, oh, yeah. Yeah. What, what it it was pretty consistent. 3.30 to 4.30. I would come to work. I'd exercise while I was at work. I would just, you know, I would have some time that was just for me to, to clear my head a little bit, you know. And then I've, I've dropped back from doing that when um, our son was born. Um, we thought that our daughter never slept until our son was born. And then we realized what it meant when they didn't sleep. <laughs> so it just changed everything. Um, oh, what and, time you know, do you go so, to bed? Uh, I'm a, I, I don't require a lot of sleep. I'm usually in bed between 10 and 11 o'clock. So you get like four hours of sleep a night. Um, yeah, that's about normal. It's, it's very strange. And, you know, I'm, I will go three to four weeks where I'll just sleep three to four hours, five hours. And all of a sudden one day I'll hit a wall. I get a headache and then I just need to sleep 12 hours. And yeah. then after that, I'm back to, you know, three, four hours. And I, I just don't require a lot of sleep. I never have. Even when I was a kid, I didn't require a lot of sleep. My mother so called me her devil get child. <laughs> yeah, that's, that's crazy. I, I can get up that early, not 3.30, 4, 4 feels like morning to me. 3.30 feels like the middle of the night. 4, 4, 4 to 4.30 feels like the morning to me, like really early morning. So I, I can get up there, but man, I, I mean, I'm 8.30, 9 o'clock, I'm, I'm in bed. Like, I'm done. There, there, you know, there are times when I feel like that, but I can go there and I'll just lay there for hours. I, I know that when I have a window of about 20 minutes where if I go to bed, I will go to sleep. If I don't go to bed, then I won't sleep the rest of the night. It's just wow. very strange. I, it's, it's one of those bad things that you, when you hit my age at 65, you start to know there's certain tendencies you better follow. So I do. <laughs> so. Yeah, I'm finding that out more and more as I get older. Lucas, you'll find that out in a few years. Um, hey, I'm already doing it, man. The the transition because you know, like, to do this. Like, I, all of a sudden, I, there's things I can't eat because it tears me up. Like, I can't. And and I would ten years listen, ago, listen, David, I, I would have seen what's on your bowls. palette, man. I've Dude, seen I'm the telling things you, like, you eat. it was so much worse back in the day. I there's stuff that I would eat that like my wife's like, hey, I got you this 
And I'm like, I'm sorry, I can't eat that. And she's like, what are you talking about? I'm like, I, I can't eat that. I, I can't eat it. She's like, what are you just being stupid? Lucas and I have been telling you about Parts Tech for a while now and how it gives you access to unlimited parts and tire vendors and direct integration with over 35 shop management systems. And now they've just launched a new referral program. All you have to do is open your Parts Tech account, go to My Shop, and click on the Rewards tab. There you'll find your referral URL, which you can share via email, text message, or on your social media. If your referral signs up for a new account and places five orders in the first 30 days, Parts Tech will send you a $100 gift card. That's it. Nothing else is needed. Your referrals can get you $100 just for using Parts Tech, which, by the way, is absolutely free to get started with. So if you're using Parts Tech already, start sharing that referral link. And if you haven't signed up for Parts Tech yet, what are you waiting for? Click on the link in the description or go to partstech.com forward slash podcast. That's partstech.com forward slash podcast. Hey, one more thing. If you find out that your shop management system doesn't integrate with Parts Tech, it's time to upgrade. David and I use what we believe to be the very best system on the market, Shopware. With unmatched features like Parts GP Optimizer and DVX, which is their digital vehicle experience, Shopware really is way more than just a shop management software. With it, you'll be able to create an immersive and interactive experience for your client, setting you apart from everyone else using run-of-the-mill software. Are you ready to upgrade? Click the link in the show notes to get started. I'm like, no, I can't eat it. It tears me up. And as far as sleep goes, like if I don't have the ASMR playing in my ear, I don't sleep I just can't sleep, period. Yeah. I just cannot sleep, period. I, I feel your pain with that because I've always had a trouble. <clears throat> I've always had trouble sleeping. So it's in, in in the worst thing about it is I'm sure all of us are the same way. We get that two thirty or three in the morning. We just blink open and our head goes right into yeah. engaging work <laughs> yep. and forget yeah. it from that point yeah. forward. Right? <clears throat> yep. There's no way I'm getting back sleep to going back to sleep. So I just get up. You're exactly right. Is that a exactly. business owner thing you think, or is that like, do we have terrible ADD or some? I mean, I know I do, but I'm talking like. <laughs> I think it's a. I, I think it's a business owner thing. I think you know we're always so worried about what we have to get done and what we need our staff to do, and you know I think I find myself preparing at three thirty in the morning what I'm going to say to my staff and my team huddle and that type of thing. So. Um, one way it's kind of good because it gets me prepared, but in, in one way, you know, it's one of those things where it would just be nice just to relax. Now, it's funny, like on the weekends, um, I, I will still wake up, but I'll lay in bed. I'll, yeah. I'll read yeah. something. Um, I'll turn the TV on um, or I'll do something, but I don't, I don't mind staying in bed. But during the week, I get up. I just have to yeah, get up. Yeah, you got to go. Yeah. I, I, I resemble that remark, right? I, I'm really bad to do it. And and the thing is, is like I will go over things in my head so many times. I will lay it out in my head how we're going to do this, what we're going to do. And what's yeah. funny about it is that then I get to work and it's like everything moved. So I have to rethink it anyway and it didn't matter. Yeah, that part yeah. was supposed to be there at 830. It never showed up. Exactly. <laughs> so it just shows your whole day out. Well, you know, what I've learned about that is, is that if you can move, if you have a plan, Right. Like if, if, you know, and I tell my team this all the time, we, we laugh at Dutch because Dutch is always, um, I don't know if you know Dutch, but Dutch was a pilot for years. And one of the things that I, I admire about aviation is, is they have a pre-flight briefing, right? And in that pre-flight briefing, briefing, there is a discussion which says if everything goes to shit, 
Here's what we do. Like the worst possible scenario, everything goes wrong. What do we do now? Right. And so looking back at that, I, I think that is so important for us as business owners. And that time is an important time to be able to sit and do that. Because when people start coming to you and talking, you don't have that opportunity to kind of slow down and really think through the process. You've got to go. And so for me, that's a that's definitely something I like to do is, is get up early and plan that and, and think about what the implications of each situation are. Yeah, I, I think that's a good way of putting it. I mean, I, I think that um, too many times, you know, we get uh, as business owners and leaders, we get caught up in the the moment and we get so focused on we need to make everybody around us better and we need to make decisions very quickly because yes. our decision usually makes the whole day go one way or the other. Right. And so we don't have a lot of time to to think about what we got to decide. We just got to make a decision. We got to make it work. I, I saw something today by one of the um, pro football coaches that said, we make a decision, we have a game plan and we stick with it. Yeah. And cause we can't afford to change midstream. I can't make that decision halfway through the third quarter. Absolutely. I'm going to change the plans because that's just the way it is. It's like, I just can't do that. So, and I think that's very true with any organization or any business, whether, you know, it's our business or a restaurant business or any other business. I think we just have to have a plan and sometimes we got to make things work and we've got to shuffle things in and shuffle things around. But you know what, that's what makes us so good at what we do. Yep. Absolutely. Absolutely. Being uh, dynamic. How much of that though is the goal? How much of, uh, how do I word this here? I guess my in my shop, I don't want to make any of those decisions. <laughs> <laughs> and and it, I do, and you have to. I get it. But it, I, I try to take as much off my plate in the day-to-day activities as I can. I still involve myself. I guess that's sort of the problem. I, I think it's worse when I'm there because I want to get in the muck of things as opposed to if I'm not there. Things tend to work themselves out. and. I don't have to involve myself, but then I show up. It's, uh, I I've been called an albatross manager. You know, they just show up, start flapping the wings, knocking things over, like, you know, an albatross in a store, just knocking things over, creating a bunch of noise. And then they bail and then <laughs> they end up creating chaos where there was order before. That's, that? yes, that's right. Seagull manager. That's exactly Seagull what I was manager. thinking. Yeah, that's it. Seagull <laughs> manager. Yeah. And I, so I've been accused of that before, but it's, um, so I, you know, I've been very uh, deliberate about trying to do the best I can to remove myself from the situation and say, we have a clear, a clear path, at least an uh, overarching path that we should be following on a daily basis. And, you know, we, there's certain things that we need to take care of on a daily basis. Everybody kind of knows what they're supposed to do. And me inserting myself into it, it's almost like, well, I, I'm just... I'm either removing um, agency from my individual employees because all of a sudden they don't have to make the decision. They can just go to Dave. Hey, Dave, what do you want to do about this? It's like, well, what would you do if I wasn't here? Uh, I would do it this way. It's like, okay, well, keep doing it that way. They wouldn't ask me normally, but because I'm there, they sort of, you know, they want to know. Yeah, I think that's um, that's probably a good point. I don't, um, I don't get involved with the every minute operations of my business. I'm there. I like to go there first thing in the morning. I like to get things started. Um, I like to help check people in. Um, you know, there's a lot of times where there's conversation going on between my staff and our customer dropping off a, uh, a car. And there's an issue that maybe they're trying to explain that can't be explained well. And you have to ask the questions. And 
my CSR who doesn't know anything about vehicles, which is the way I like it, um, doesn't necessarily always ask the proper question. So sometimes I step in or if someone's got to go for a ride, I go for a ride with a customer. And honestly, one of the things I truly enjoy um, is, is like doing shuttle driving with my customers because I just enjoy talking to them. It's not a business relationship. It's just me getting able to being able to talk to them about, I, I've known so many of them for so many years. How's your son doing? Is it Ohio state? The daughter's at Kentucky. And we're just talking about, you know, relationships. And I'm really, really big into building relationships with my customers. <clears throat> it's one of my major priorities. And when I hire people, I say, um, I want you to talk to my customers the way you would talk to your friends sitting in your couch in your living room. That's how I want them to feel. I'm mean to my friends. <laughs> I am not mean to my friends. I like my friends. <laughs> I, I pick and choose my friends very carefully, but <clears throat> I like to make sure that we build a relationship and everyone's very comfortable. So I feel sick and de- demented now. I, I don't know. <laughs> like, I'm just I'm, now figuring that out. What's that? I thought now. this was normal. I thought it was normal for for you, you know what? I'm I'm not sick and demented. Thank you very much. Like you, you should hear the way Juan talks to his friends. Juan's my service advisor though. And you should hear the way he talks to his friends and some of the things that he texts back and forth like they're in a group chat and they're saying like the meanest, the most awful things Dude, you could possibly I, I just, say. You need to you just need to hear one message. I was talking to my friend yesterday. Okay? And he's sending me messages and he said, Hey, I just listened to the latest podcast. And I said, really? He said, yeah. I said, what'd you think? And I'm going to scroll up here and find it because it was just so priceless. I couldn't avoid saying it. He says, good morning, buddy. Listening to your newest podcast this morning. My God, David psychiatrist should be sainted. He really is (laughs) one special individual. Well, at least it's you're endearing. known for. It. I don't know what yeah. <laughs> it's okay if that's who you're supposed to be. And exactly. I, <laughs> Thank I you for ad- validating me, Bill. I appreciate it. I knew you had you on for a reason. <laughs> I, will, I will admit, I think that it's a it's a guy thing. You know, we can be really cruel to each other and say some really mean things, and we don't take it to heart. Heaven right. forbid you say that same thing to a woman. I'm running for cover. <laughs> oh man, I'm telling you. I'm telling you. You're absolutely right. You're absolutely right. But I I, I will say we're just we're. I tell Juan to be friendly, but not overly friendly, because then he'll start saying mean things to them, and maybe they don't know how to take it. I, he's he's gotten he's had friends like he worked at a uh, parts store before. He was a store manager, and so he had a lot of employees. He had probably twenty twenty five employees working directly under him, and that's a lot of moving parts on a daily basis. And he's scheduling long hours and this, that, and the other. He had one employee. He, I can't, he said the most benign thing, at least to me, he said it back to me and I'm like, that is, I can't believe that guy got upset about that. That guy got so upset and and it like, it ended up souring some relationships because like some of his friends took that guy's side and some of the other friends took Juan's side. And he was like, man, it was a joke. Like he's like, well, he wants you to apologize to him. So you got to be almost very careful about what you say to anybody unless you really know them. And then you like for me, I, then I kind of let loose and see some foul things. <laughs> <laughs> well, you know, you also have to be careful in emails and text messages because sometimes they don't come off oh, exactly yeah. what they're meant to yeah. say. So, Absolutely. Well, again, exactly it depends. Right. I, I send Lucas some awful things, and <laughs> I and I read it back and laugh and go, "That's funny." But you know, sometimes you're like, 
Yeah, did I'll, I'll get messages occasionally. Did I offend you? <laughs> yeah. Dude, I've been offended since I met you. <laughs> well, at least you know what the ba- the relationship is based on. That's yeah. exactly right. That's exactly right. <laughs> Foul insults. That's all we do. <laughs> well, it seems like you guys play very well off each other and, and you seem like you're good friends. So I don't think that there's anything wrong with that as long as everybody understands it. Sometimes you know, people get a little sensitive about things that yeah. we say. And, um, you know, yeah. I am, I am, unfortunately for me, as I'm not a very sensitive person, um, I have pretty thick skin. So I've had some pretty cool things said to me and I'm like, yeah, you're right. I know. I'm okay with it. <laughs> Well, you know, and, and it, it speaks volumes because I've got a, um, I've got a new employee and one of the things that we've noticed is he's more sensitive to things like that than the rest of us. And so Shannon, my service advisor is is a military guy, right? He's very blunt. He's very right to the point. He's very matter of fact. This is what it is. Now he's nice about it. He's not rude, but to other people, it doesn't exactly feel like that all the time. Right. Yeah. And so I think it's something that we have to think about. We have to be paying attention to, especially when we're leaders. We've got to pay attention to how people receive us. And that was one of the things that I've noticed, on, especially on the front counter, that allowed me to shine on the front counter that I see my staff sometimes they lack in, is they're not picking up on that change in tone from the client, right? Yes. And I think that's why text messages doesn't don't work for the sales process at the front counter, they don't work for some of the things that we need to have that delicate conversation because you can't hear the switch. And I tell my guys all the time, there is a switch. You will hear it. If you say something they don't understand, if they think you're doing something they should not, you know, that that you should not do, you will hear it change in their voice. And you have to stop right now and clarify that. And I think that's a learned skill for some people and other people. It's just something you pick up on and you're in tune with human beings. So, you know, man, yeah, but you've I, probably I think met, a, read a bunch of books about it, like how to win friends and influence people. Right. That's a, that's a classic one. That's yeah. a, it's a learned skill. It takes time. You almost like, how do you speed up that process? I don't know. I don't I mean, know I, either. I don't think it, you can. So you end up dealing with the bumpy road. Yeah. All the way through the process while, and, and sometimes they don't make it like sometimes they're just, exactly they don't right. get it. It's like, well, this is going to end up taking five years. I don't have five years. I'll give you six months <laughs> to at least start showing some development. Otherwise we're going to have an issue. And you know, how much leash do you give them before you're like, okay, it's time well, to change. My problem is, is I typically give too much leash, right? I, I give them too much. And, and the problem is, is that they know they're not excelling. Right. They know that I'm not pleased with the results. They know the client's not pleased with the results. And I'm over here thinking if I let them go, if I if I if I can them or if I say, hey, this just isn't working out, I'm thinking I'm the bad guy and I don't like the way that feels. Right. But if we flip that the other direction, what we find is, is that they would much rather leave than continue to disappoint. Right. So I'm I'm bad to keep somebody here that shouldn't be here. I went through that multiple times and you know that. Whereas, you know, I think other people are bad to to do the exact opposite. They say, you know what? Can them quick. That's hard to do. Mm -hmm. I I think it's, you know, it's a, it's one of those things that I'm a, um, never have, I never used to be, but I am much better at it now as I'm a, I'm better at 
having a conversation than a confrontation. Yes. So I have lots of conversations. I do a lot of coaching in the moment. I do a lot of discussions over things that I hear. Um, and, and, you know, and I, I try and make sure that I have a conversation with everyone that works for me um, at least daily, even if it's a five cameras, five minute conversation or a 10 minute conversation, it doesn't have to do anything to do with work. I just want to know about them. And listen, it's not something that I'm good at. It was not a skill that I possessed. It's a learned skill. Um, right. my significant other, you know, really pushed me into learning how to do that. And it makes me a much better communicator. Um, and, and I, and I really believe that for the most part, people want to do a good job. Some people just can't. And, yeah. and I, I, you know, I'm sure we all heard the noise, either you can't or you won't. If you can't, I can help you. If you won't, you can't work for me. Yeah, absolutely. Well, you know, I, I have learned because I was always the one to shy away from those conversations. And, and I've watched my parents do that for years until I started getting around people. wildly who, successful. So that's a terrible example. <laughs> well, they were, but it was at the cost of... Of their own sanity. And I'm not saying my parents are insane. Um, Dad drank scotch, did he? That's it. But, you know, it, it, a lot it, of heartache. Was, it was at their own demise in some ways, yeah. right? It, it was them tolerating things. It was, you know, my mom to this day still walks out. She's the one who picks up the parking lot out here and picks the trash up out of the parking lot every single day. And she's the one who gets up at 4 a.m. and goes to work. And and all of the employees, they kind of let other things slide. And my mom cleans the bathroom and my mom works the front counter. And when nobody else shows up, guess who shows up? My mom shows up. Yeah. And so she never had those hard conversations. My dad's got employees, you know, right now. And and I'm I he knows we talk about this. I, we've got an employee who um, very sad story. He he was in a relationship with a woman. They decided to go their separate ways and she dies a week later. And it was natural causes. It wasn't anything, you know, abnormal. But the reality is, is now he's kind of fallen off the wagon. He realizes, man, I can't say I'm sorry. I can't take that back. And so now this guy is falling off the wagon. He's he's turned to drink and he's falling apart. And my dad's approach is, I'm just not going to say anything. I'm going to let this ride it its way out. I've learned through being around people who have hard conversations, it's a lot easier to go ahead and have that conversation right now. Is it comfortable to have the conversation? No, but it's a whole lot better for everybody involved if we deal with it right now and put put all of the, the chips on the table, if that makes sense. Yeah. And honestly, Lucas, what you learn by doing exactly the, what you just spoke about is you learn how to get that information because the first reaction is, the, the walls go up and no, everything's fine. There's nothing wrong with me. And you know, it's there. You can see it. You can feel it. You can sense it yep. and everything is there. And what, you know, by going through, I don't know, having conversations with people and discussing hard times and stuff, you start to learn how to break down that wall a little, a little bit at a time, you know, and they got to yep. know that they can trust you and be confident. You're going to hold them in the highest regards. And you're not going to judge them. And all of those things mean something to someone. Yes. Absolutely. So I think that that's something that we, you know, and, and that's something that I learned kind of like the hard way, but um, I've, I never have confrontations. We're always having a conversation. I don't know that it takes very, it would take a lot to get me to the point where I would have a confrontation with somebody because 
I don't let it ever build up. I don't explode. Right. I don't take three weeks of bad news and then suddenly just give it to you one lump sum. I'm having a conversation every day about what I feel like we need to do better and that type of thing. So it never really explodes and there's no ticking time bomb, if you will. You're exactly right. And, and you know, I, I watched this video. I was telling David about this the other day and it was a video that um, Tim Kite did. And, and he was a, he does culture training, things like that. And he was, he, he used the analogy that you wouldn't give your child feedback once a year, right? Well, Sally, you were really good this year. So you get two presents, right? At right. Christmas, that's when they get their feedback. Well, Sammy, you were really bad. You don't get anything at all. No, that wouldn't be effective. It's like the dog that pees in the floor. If you come back a week later and try and address it, it's not nearly as effective. If we have that conversation right away and give constant feedback, I'm not saying that annual reviews or something like that are bad, but I think if we're having constant feedback, you, you bring up a good point. We don't get to the point we explode. It doesn't boil up and, and fester and turn into something. You know, one of the themes here in our shop is seek first to understand, right? You mm -hmm. said something, I didn't like it. You did something, I didn't like it. Help me understand why you did that. And a lot of times the things that I thought were nefarious, I thought they were bad things. They were really trying to do their very best to help somebody. And it was misguided. And, and now as opposed to yelling and screaming and getting mad about it, we can have a conversation that redirects that energy and shows them a positive way to apply that energy. And it makes an improvement in the business and it doesn't damage the business culture. I think culture is such a big thing for me because I learned that, that through the proper leadership techniques. We, you don't lead by assaulting someone. You don't lead by screaming at someone. We joke, we play, we cut up. We, we, yeah, we, we raise our voices at each other, but it's always in fun. You lead by example in a lot of ways, you know, sometimes Absolutely. the conversations, uh, well, it depends, depends on the scenario. So, uh, my, one of my technicians, we went up to that, um, at ASTE, we went go-karting, right? Mm-hmm. He was super excited about go-karting. He he's like, man, I'm so excited about this. This is going to be fantastic. He was having a blast. He said, this is the funnest thing I've done ever. <laughs> and sort of the way I was acting when we went to go shoot those guns. In, in, uh, right. Uh, so he was super excited about it. But on the very last race, he had apparently like half spun out. And this guy just plows into him. Like full speed, just plows into him. And he got really upset. So we, we, we get done with the race and he comes out and he's like, man, this guy just plowed into me. I mean, just to get, pa to get past me, he just rammed into me. He's like, my back hurts now. I whipped my neck. I'm like, really? He's like, yeah. And it was that guy right over there. <laughs> right. <laughs> and I'm like, oh, okay. He's like, I'm going to go talk to him. I'm like, okay. Well, good luck with that. <laughs> We're just going to talk, like, right? <laughs> yeah. yeah. <laughs> he's like, well, I mean, he's, he's tall and he's probably scrappy, but he's not a, like, he's not a thick guy. Like, uh, he, he's very thin. And so, but he, he's, he, he's, he's very mature. He considers himself very mature. And so he wanted to just have a mature conversation to express how he didn't appreciate him plowing into him. And he sort of just wanted an apology. And and he's like, well, he's like, I'm just going to ask him for an apology and tell him because otherwise, if I don't tell him, it's going to upset me and it's going to end up consuming me the entire weekend. I said, okay, that's fine. So he goes over there and he's like, hey, man, uh, I don't appreciate you following me. And the guy looks at him, looks him up and down and goes, not nah, that one me. And then just turns and ignores him. <laughs> 
and ate him up inside. And he he's like, no, no, I I know it was you, dude. And like you were behind me, and then you passed me. Like I I watched you come out. Like it was you. And he's like, nah, one me. And then, and then <laughs> just turns. By the way, this is a technician who works for one of our fellow shop owners there, uh, Lucas. Anyway, so <laughs> oh, I know. and and he he's mentioned it. He brought it up. Who? The the technician. My technician? No, the other technician. There's no way. Yeah. Followed up because there was a video of it. One of the video. There's a video of it? Yeah. I posted it on Instagram. And and everybody was good. It was laughing. Everybody thought we were just having fun. Who? What are you talking about? My technician was upset. I know your technician was, but everybody else thought that it was just fun (laughs) and good. Okay. So everybody else was cool with it except for him. Because he came out. Dude, he was fuming. He was fuming. He's like... Uh, what do he say? And he goes, he said it wasn't him. I'm like, huh, that's interesting. I don't think he had, he had accounted for that reaction. Right. So he, he decided he was going to take the higher road to have a conversation, a conversation. He wasn't trying to be confrontational. He just, he's like, Hey, I just want to let you know. I don't appreciate it. And he was really calm. I heard him say it. It was, it was fine. And then the guy goes now. <laughs> and he was not, it didn't end up well. And I mean, he got over it, but, he was upset, at least in the moment. Like he was like, he was just really sucking down on that cigarette, <laughs> upset about what that guy had done. And then I think what really, I think he was upset about getting hit, but what really pissed him off was not nah, that one, me. <laughs> but I, sometimes conversations, I don't know. It depends on the other person. Like the other person's got to be able to reciprocate. Does that make sense? Like if you've got an employee that's just completely unwilling to listen unwilling to reciprocate, unwilling to acquiesce in instances where he should. And the guy wants to be stubborn. He wants to be immature. He wants to be petty. I mean, probably shouldn't have him as an employee. He needs to get rid of him. But some people just, I don't know, they can't express it in words. Like they can't have that conversation, but they change their behavior. Does that make sense? Yeah. I, I, you know, I, what the first thing comes to my head is, um, Whenever you put anybody in, a, in any kind of a competitive situation where whether we're racing or we're racing against each other or whether we're playing tag football or whether it's basketball or whatever, everybody's um, level of competition is different. Um, yeah, and, I, and I think the intensity sometimes of some people who will just, you know, run right over you because their idea is this is NASCAR and I'm going to just run your ass over. <laughs> so I think that's just, you know, that's just natural for pe- some people if you're very competitive and, and I was very competitive most of my life. So I can see myself doing that. Um, I would have probably owned up to it and say, yeah, well, you know, you were in the way, so I got to get past you. Um, yeah. I mean, if the guy knew it, it was weird because it's, it's almost like, I don't know, but my, my technician's very exact. So I, I almost lean towards him to think because I did ask him, I'm like, maybe it wasn't him. No, he's like, no, no, it was him. I know it was him. He's like, <laughs> there's nobody else that looks like him. I watched them the whole way through. Like he knew it was him. So. The guy either doesn't remember hitting the, the the my technician, or he was confronted and decided he was just going to to lie, and that's almost what you'd prefer that he not lie. Yeah, definitely. Because at the very least, like the mature thing would have been like, man, I, I don't remember doing that, but if I did, I'm sorry. I didn't mean to hurt you and mean to, you know, to cause any harm. You know, we were just racing. 
that would have been the mature thing to do. But the guy, like, he was almost flippant about it, turned and said, now nah, on me. <laughs> <laughs> and I don't know. If I had that guy working for me, I'd, I don't know, I'd look at him a little sideways. Like, <laughs> really? Is this how we're going to act? Because he's representing me on top of that, too, right? And the, yeah, that, but, whole, I mean, that, that whole crew had the shop name on the back of their shirts. <laughs> Here, here's the thing is, is in talking like that, that is somebody, you know, that's somebody that I look up to and, and hold in a high regard. But who, the technician? No, the shop owner. Oh, I don't know who the shop owner is. I knew it was one of the technicians that was there, but there were a bunch of technicians there. But but I I think that that particular shop owner is not one that would care about that. Care about what? The guy oh lying? Oh my god, you are such a I'm dense, I know. I'm sorry. <laughs> I don't know what to tell you. I, I don't you know, think I, knew I, I will say that I really do appreciate this back to virtual recording is so much easier on me. I mean, it is like a night and day difference. Your ADD at least I don't have to see you drifting across the room, <laughs> right? I can I can just hear you drift across the room, but I don't have to see it and experience it firsthand. I will say that. Bill, the, the situation is, is David got COVID a while back, and I don't know what it did to him. I don't know. I got if bad he, COVID, Bill, so I got extra immunity. I got all, and, like, I'm one of those guys walking around licking the door handles and uh, stuff like that. Okay. I'm like, not going to get sick anymore, bruh. Uh, I don't know if it was the medicine they gave him. Dude. I don't know if it was the COVID, but, but his, dude, I, you, I, I'm not kidding. Like my technician, who we were just talking about, he got COVID and he was, you know, he was over it pretty quickly. Cause he got, he got the, the kitchen sink and he was, he can't, he comes back dude. he was not right. I mean, just very like it, what it does is it leaves you like, um, um, you have brain fog, like really bad brain fog. Like you just you didn't have brain fog, dude. Your brain was going 10 and million that's miles how an hour, 50,000 different directions. No, 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 no. This was two things there. I had, I was getting over it. I, I was over it. It wasn't even the thing. It was, it was the, I had a lot on my plate at AST. I go, did I calm down for tools? No. Oh, okay. Well, then I don't know what to tell you. And you didn't calm down for Apex either. <laughs> I was good for Nothing Apex. has changed. About? I don't see what you see. Like, I, I had a lot on my plate. Yes, you did. We all have a lot on our plate at events. But my point is, is that whatever happened, David changed. And I'm not talking about one of those new age changes. I'm talking about this guy <laughs> changed into a different person. All of a sudden. No, 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 no. I think it made me more of who I am. There you go. Jesus and that's what they Christy. say when you when you when you get come into money, you don't change. It doesn't change who you are. It just makes you more of what you were. Yeah, don't they say that about money? They do. One day out, I'll Bill. figure that come out. You're backing me up today. <laughs> they are. They say that about money because it, it does. It does change how you are. I mean, if you're arrogant, you're a big. You're even more arrogant. If you're difficult, you're even more difficult because you can be. Right. You have the ability to. Uh, to throw throw that power, that ability around a little bit, right? Me, I'm more ADD, I guess. Oh my! <laughs> See what guess. you have to look forward to, Lucas. It's not going away. <laughs> I know, right? I'd <laughs> say a prayer for me, man. I'm, <laughs> the next event, we've got a little bit of time before the next event. I'll be able to catch my breath. We've I'm got a little freaked March. out because I've got my kids, and my son cannot concentrate on what he's being asked to do, like. 
and I, I see myself. So, and I was in second grade and my second grade teacher, this is, I'm, I'm old now. I'm, I'm older. I shouldn't remember this, but I remember my second grade teacher calling me David Roman Roman around because I couldn't <laughs> sit still. I couldn't sit in my seat and I had to like kind of bounce around and I, I would go up to Desmond, like, Hey, what you working on? And you know, it's not that I was a social butterfly. I wasn't. I just didn't want to sit down. This was boring to me. Like, let's move on. Let's, let's get moving here. And I would get into so much trouble. I spent every recess standing next to the teacher in second grade, specifically that teacher didn't like me specifically standing next to the teacher, every single recess. And my son's in first grade. I see so much of that in him. I'm a little freaked out. What are you going to do? Nothing. I've not, I didn't. They didn't put me on any kind of medication or anything. Like I that. wasn't asking if you were going to put him on medication. I'm asking what. I'm you afraid do? that they're going to be like, "Hey, we need to put him on medication because I'm afraid that they're going to come at me with that garbage." <sighs> I'm going to say no. Okay. I don't want to stick him in some special school or something like that. Certainly can't homeschool him. I don't have the attention span for that. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, I think that I think there's you know, too many times. I think we look for the um, let's give them a pill and make it go away stuff. And yeah. I'm I'm not sure that I don't have any children of my own, so I can't speak for that. But I knew I know that I don't feel that medication is always the answer. Um, I feel sometimes that you just you know you got to those kids that are like that that they're just going 100 miles an hour all the time. You just got to wear them out. You guys got to make yeah. them tired. Yeah. You know, yeah. that's just how and, I've always thought about it. And I don't know that they need to go to a special class, but maybe they need to be in a special class where they're constantly doing something that makes them exert that energy. Well, you know, that's really, really interesting. There is a video by a man and he recently passed away, but his name was Ken Robinson. And he tells, uh, he, he has um, a story or a, a performance that he does called Changing the education paradigms. And it's a very enlightening, very informative presentation on education as a whole. But it opened my eyes to how we learn. And it, it even really made me think about how we do things in my shop, how we teach in my shop, and how we make time for learning, right? And one of the things that he said that stood out to me, and and I still do this in the shop, right? But one of the things that he said that stood out is he was saying that we educate children based on their born on date or their date of manufacture. And we, we educate them in an assembly line fashion. And I thought, wow, that really is. And he's like, the reality is, is that some are strong in some areas. Some are not strong in that area, but they're strong in another area. And he said, so we're trying to educate them in such a way that that we force them all to fall into this one zone. And he was talking about um, creativity. And he was talking about how our education system in a lot of ways kills creativity. And he was talking about, I can't remember the exact term he used, but he said, you know, think of the think of the different things you can do with a paperclip. And he said it was something like, you know, 350 of the the people who were surveyed when they were in kindergarten, were at genius level, creative genius, right? And they would, they, he said, one of the things that they pointed out was, is it wasn't, well, I can take the paper clip and bend it this way. I could clip it on a piece of paper. It was, can it be 300 foot tall and made of foam rubber, right? It was thinking outside of that box of, of the thought process of a paper clip, right? And 
he goes into that and he said, you know, the reality is, is he said, we are teaching the creativity out of them. And so I started applying some of what he was talking about and thinking about how we educate technicians, how we educate service advisors. One of the things that stood out to me is, especially at the dealership level, right? And and I don't want to call the dealers out or the manufacturers out, but they're not teaching them to fix the car. They're teaching them to run a test and follow a flow chart. They're not teaching them a creative thought process of, uh, process of how to go through the testing on the vehicle or, or think through this themselves. They're saying, follow the instructions. And, and so many times, I think in shops, everybody wants to train, right? And we've got that 100-hour-a-year minimum training requirement for our techs in the shop and our service advisors. But then I started training them and realizing, uh-oh, I don't really know how to train them. Does that make sense? In other words, I'm just like sticking them in a class. Here you go. And I never took count of where they were or what they excelled at. And it always seemed like the guy who struggled with electrical went to the electrical class. What if we took the guy that excelled at chassis and suspension and put him in a chassis and suspension class instead of changing him to fit this mold of what we want him to be in the shop? And I understand there's a reason for doing that. But what if we focused on their strengths? What do you think of that, Bill? Well, in, you know, I, I think that for, you know, what I try and do in my shop is um, from probably April all the way to the end of the year, I want my staff to focus on what they're best at. So I want to put my best electrical guy on anything electrical. Um, my best, you know, testing guy, I want to put him anything that needs to be tested. But what I do in January, February, and March is whatever you're weakest at, that's what you get for those three months. And the other guy gets the suspension work. And you guys are working together to help each other get better. The little tips, the little tricks, the things that you know, and things that you can share with each other. Um, I've been doing that for about 10 years. And it really right. has paid great dividends for me. Um I think what you're saying, though, having, you know, there's a reason that I send the guy who's my best um, electrical guy or the guest, my best dietitian to those high end classes because he needs to stay up there because he's already one step above everybody else and he needs to stay there. Exactly. Continue to grow that. Continue to build upon that. And, and you know, David and I were having this conversation tonight, like the, the different types of, of thinking processes. And so for me. I, I can, when I'm working on a car, I can look at that electrical system and in my head, I can pull that electrical system out and look at the circuit at hand in my mind. And I can say, oh, this does this and that does that. And the energy flows this direction to this. And when this happens, that happens. And if it says this, that must mean that, right? If it's a fuel system, I can look at the piping in my head and say, oh, well, if I don't have fuel here, it must be here. Right. And I I have a mind that allows me to do that. I'm not a quick thinker. I'm not the guy who's fast with numbers, things like that. But we all have abilities in different areas. And, and, you know, we talk about dispatching to strengths. What if we took that to the next level and really dispatched to abilities? Right. And really took time to understand our staff's abilities. One of the things we've done here in the shop is, is the new service advisor works really well with one type of client. And the the service advisor that was in the military works really well with another type of client. He works really well with a client that wants you to be straightforward, wants you to be blunt, right to the point. It's not that he's not empathetic. It's just that he's very straightforward and, and matter of fact. And some people deal with that very well and they don't deal with me well. Whereas the other one's more empathetic and more understanding. 
how could we better understand our people and better dispatch to their abilities? We call them a freak of nature, Bill. Don't don't worry. <laughs> <laughs> I can do simple math in my head very quickly. That's my <laughs> that's my uh, ability. I, I can't I can't break that stuff down in my head. I just I don't know how things work. I think most shop owners do dispatch to abilities. I think we all, as business owners and leaders, want to make sure that we give our best people um, to the problems they're best at solving. I mean that. Not only from a, you know, obviously it's a, it's a problem solving issue, but it's also, we make more money that way. He's not spending, you know, an extra half an hour scratching his head, trying to figure it out. Cause he, like as you said, he's, he can pull it apart in his brain and know what's going on there. He doesn't need to spend a half hour looking up the flow chart to know what's going on. That's very true. Some of us don't have that many technicians. Well, I mean, I don't know that everybody does, but I mean, if we, if we work towards that strength, right. And, and encourage them to grow because, you know, like I said earlier, people don't want to be somewhere and they don't want to work on something they're not good at. Right. We want to feel like we know what we're doing. We want to excel. It depends on the person though. I'm just telling you, like if I, if I send, like I've got a technician who's, who's really good with suspension. And and the guy's a freak because, like, he looks at alignment. I've told you this before. He looks at alignment numbers and he he just the the numbers and he can go, yeah, that's going to pull the left. That's going to pull the right. I remember trying to take the the suspension ASC test and looking through the practice questions and it's like this can't camber reads this and this caster reads that. Is the car going to pull the left to the right? Is it going to go straight? I don't know. Like I I don't know. I don't know. He's I find that fascinating and I'm sure like people listening to this going to roll their eyes and be like, yeah, every alignment guy can do that. But I'm just telling you like every alignment guy in the whole wide world is way underpaid in the whole wide world, (laughs) way underpaid. That is the most thankless, dirtiest, nastiest, difficult, frustrating job ever in the history of automotive. And, and it, I find it fascinating that he can just look at the thing and, and he also knows how to wiggle the car to get it back into alignment. Like he's like, yeah, I'd bump it right here. It'll come in the line. Like, what are you talking about? <laughs> oh, it moves like this. And it, you know, but if I, if I send him to just suspension classes, he's gonna, he's gonna be bored. I mean, it, like if it's new technology, fine. But if, if I, if it's if, what he's continued to work on, but I, I guess my maybe. point is, is continuing to develop, beyond that in other words take a pathway from that yeah and figure out what the next step is right in other words you gotta be passionate about it that that's i think that's what the the difference is and and then sometimes you have to decide whether the person is is avoiding it because they can't or but they they would be able to if they push themselves does that make sense like you see more potential in that person than they see in themselves and you know right. that, hey, you have the aptitude to be really good at this. Push yourself to be good at this. But I know you don't want to decision. because it's hard. What's that? Right. That's a personal decision. And, and you know, well, I've told yeah, you but sometimes before. That, sometimes it's, man, I used to I used to deal with this all the time with the parts stores. I don't know how many, I, I remember I was thinking about this, this, this woman I had that worked for me. I hired her in as a, uh, uh, as a, a stalker. Like she had to come in, check the car, the, the parts in and help put stuff up on the shelves and then dust. That's what she, her job was. And uh, you know, those people get paid almost nothing. They come in at the lowest pay you can possibly give them that they'll take. 
you try to go for minimum wage because they should be theoretically a dime a dozen. But she had such a fantastic work ethic that I told her, I said, look, I need to put you on the counter. And, and she's like, I, I don't know anything about cars. I'm like, I understand, but just ask questions. Like, you're really good with people and you have a fantastic work ethic. I think you'd be really good at the counter. She begrudgingly moved to the counter. And then I told her, you need to become a key holder. I need to make you a night closer. And she's like, no, no, I can't do that. I can't make decisions. She, she was unbelievably smart. She was, she had a fantastic work ethic, work ethic. She was very empathetic. She knew how to deal with people. She knew how to deal with difficult customers. She had those innate abilities. And I told her, I said, look, just, just work at the manager thing for a year and then you can get your own store. And, and then the pay gets much better once you get into a store. And I said, and she's like, Oh, I can't, I can't do that. I can't do that. I mean, it was like pulling teeth. She progressed. I, I think she stopped at Keyholder. I, I don't think she ever got her own store because I, I got transferred out of that store that she was in, but she had the ability to do it. She could absolutely 100% without a doubt run a store because she had every, she had the aptitude. She, for whatever reason, she just had decided in her head that she that, that that was beyond her. And I see that in technicians. I see smart technicians that should be capable of handling scopes and pressure transducers and be able to decipher data and look at PIDs and, and become a fantastic technician, diagnostician, electrical work, suspension, whatever you need them to do. They have the ability, but for whatever reason, they've just decided that, nah, Either laziness because I don't have to, I'm not being forced to, so I don't, I don't need to, or, you know, they, they think less of themselves than they should. Do you ever run into that? It's the belief system, right? I, I, and I'm going to, the example I can give it as I had a technician who came to work for me about six and a half years ago and he didn't have any ASC certifications. And I said, you've got, in order to work for me, you've got to go for two a year. And he constantly said, I'm just a terrible test taker. I can't take tests. So we would make him go and he'd fail. We'd make him go and he failed. So finally, I think it was the second year, I said, you and I are going to do this study together. So after work every night for three weeks, we studied before the test. And, you know, we, we had the conversation. He knew his stuff. He went and he failed. And I just looked at him and I said, how is that possible? You know, I know that you know this stuff. How do you not pass this test because you know it. I ask you the question and you give me the answer. And he just says, I'm just a terrible test taker. The belief system is he felt like he was a terrible test taker. So what I had to work on was not training him to do the to what the questions were was to make him believe in himself. Yep. And that took me a long time. Well that's hard. I'm sure both of you know who um Steve Harvey is, right? Yes. Sure. And and so I watched a video that he did the other day. And he said, um, he talked about a lot of different things. He talked about some religious stuff. But one of the interesting things he said is he said, extraordinary comes from extra and ordinary. And it stood out to me because he said something that really just like triggered me. And he said, if you want to be ordinary, that's okay. There's tons of really great ordinary folks. And I think in our operations, we really want to find those extraordinary people. We really want to push these guys and get them to that next level. But if that's not the vision that they have for themselves, if they're not willing to put in the work, if they don't want that for themselves, we'll never force it. And, you know, I, I get, you know, he, he also did another talk where he talked about you're standing at the edge of the cliff 
and you keep saying, man, I wish I had wind in my parachute, right? But until you jump off the edge of the cliff and you stand there and you say, I'm afraid to jump, I'm afraid to jump, I'm afraid to jump. I'm afraid to start that business. I'm afraid to 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 take it to the next level of training. I'm afraid to go take that test. But until you jump, you never get wind in your parachute, right? You never, ever have the opportunity until you take the jump. And I guess the reason that what he said stood out to me was, is that, like I said, we have continued to push people and hope that we can get them to that extraordinary level. Some of these people are not going to be extraordinary. They don't want to be extraordinary. And I'm, I don't mean that to be derogatory, right? I'm not saying they're bad people. I'm not saying they're not doing great things. I'm just saying they don't want to go to that next level to be extraordinary. They don't want to put extra on top of ordinary because it's a lot of work. Some people just don't strive for that. Yeah, but you're talking about like small things. Yeah. Like you don't have to be an except you don't have to you don't have to be top five percent in in the world of you know diagnosticians. Although I don't think that would take a lot of work. I, <laughs> a lot of bad <laughs> diagnosticians out there. But yeah, tell me about it. <laughs> but y- I just need you to be five percent better than you were last year. Does that make sense? Like yeah. I, I just need you to be slightly better than you are right now. Or at least strive for it. Because as soon as you stop striving, I think you start degrading. You start yeah. moving, sliding back. Absolutely. You're either growing or dying. That's why I eat a lot. <laughs> you are definitely growing. <laughs> I think sometimes um, we want we want it more than they want it. Yeah. We want it more for them yeah, than they want it for themselves. How do we flip that, though? You're absolutely right. 100%. I think that, well, for me, when I talk about the person I was talking about, I just, for me, I knew that he had it and I knew he could do it. I just needed to make him know he could do it. So it was a work in progress. And it again, it took a long time. And once he got it, he flew. Like he, he had wings. You couldn't stop him. So, but it, you know, and it's great to see because that's a real great feel good story for me. He did it all. All I had to do was push him in the right direction and give him the right nudges. Right. That That's a, that's a good point. And uh, I mean, it, it is so rewarding when it works. Sometimes it doesn't work. In more cases than not, it doesn't. Right. And we need to be prepared for that because that's not a failure on our part. Right. I mean, I guess to some degree it could be, but, but you know, probably shouldn't have hired them. The same thing goes back to being extraordinary with shop owners. Are you going to be an extraordinary owner? Are you going to push your people to be the best? Are you going to continue to work to help them develop, to be better, to grow, to develop a culture in the shop? Or are you just going to come to work every day and try and fix the cars and that's it? And and I think that their shop owners really need to make a decision because that in between for me, right? Like I knew that I could do big things with this shop. I knew it was possible, but I didn't really know if I wanted to put the work into it. Does that make sense? Like I didn't know if that was really, man, it looked like a lot of work. Talking about answering the telephone in the middle of the night if a client needs something, you know, you've got twenty four seven access to me. I don't know. I don't know about that. But taking that leap and getting out of the and and you know we always talk about it. Growth doesn't happen in your comfort zone, and and confidence comes after courage every time, right? Like you've got to have some courage to jump out here and make it happen. And and so, what do you say to the shop owner that just doesn't know? Do, I mean. 
man, I, I don't know if I want to go do all that stuff. It sure looks like a lot of work. What do you say to them, Bill? Uh, you know, I, I think um, everybody has a different level of participation that they want to succeed. Like for me, um, I, <clears throat> I can tell you the story. It was a Tuesday afternoon um, in the middle of, of, of June. And my place, I was like crazy busy, phones are ringing off. And I'm just frustrated because I don't have any good quality technicians, you know. And I'm at that point where I just looked at uh, Leanne, who's my significant other. And I said, either we're going to sell this place or I am going to fix it. Not my exact words, but the word F was in there somewhere. Right. <laughs> so once I made the decision that I was all in, I never looked back. So I never thought twice about putting my phone number on my business card. I never thought twice about having to work 60 or 65 hours a week. I never thought twice about, you know, going to classes and learning and being a better, you know, leader and a better owner and listening to books and reading books and learning about, you know, what the P&Ls meant and how to read them and how to share that and how to get my staff motivated. I was just like a big sponge and I just yeah. couldn't get it fast enough. Um, and, and I, and what I said earlier, you know, being a coach, uh, to other repair shops, sometimes you want it more than they want it. You want them to succeed more than they want to succeed. They just want to get by. And as a coach, you have to find ways to motivate them. Um, you know, you, you know, we talk about, Hey, you know, holding on to that technician for 18 years when he and your daughter comes to you and says, hey, I want to go to college. You say, you know what? I kept Joe for 18 years. I can't afford to have you go to college because he cost me so much money. You right. know, we have to make I feel like that's one of those things that as a coach or uh, whether it's, you know, what you guys do or what I do. It's important for me to put all of that out there and make sure that I'm I'm being honest and, and giving back to the things that I've learned over the years. So I don't they don't make the same mistakes I make. But I really believe that um, if you're if you give the people as much information as they can handle and you can get them to do one or two things at a time, that's a success. Exactly. And it always yep. leaves footprints, right? Yeah. I mean, just a just a if, if they will take one thing and run with it. Right. Just, I mean, you, and, and the thing this. is, is it changes their life. It's not just and, and, you know, the college thing is a big one for me because that was when the change really started to happen in our business was when we had our daughter. And I was like, I want more for my family than this. And I think as an owner, I really didn't think I deserved more. And, and I was the guy who thought that if I charged more, that it was ripping people off. And I knew what I could do and I knew how fast I could do it. I knew what the part cost me. And, and, and it took something that was painful. It took the realization I wasn't going to be able to provide for her like I wanted to. Right. And that doesn't feel very nice. And sometimes it takes a little bit of pain to, to push us to that next level. Um, and, and, you know, Andy Andrews talks about burning the boats, like what boats are in your life that you need to burn what what is it that's holding you back? What is it that that you're you're constantly leaning on and saying, yeah, but this if this just you know I'll, I'll just keep trying, I'll just I'll keep pushing, but you never you never go to the next step, you never go to the next level. If that makes sense, you never do the things that you know you have to do to make it work. There's always that little bit of fear, yeah, but what if? And I I think that for me, that's when it all changed was when the fear of, of not accomplishing what I had that I wanted to accomplish was bigger than the fear of, oops, I'm going to screw up and, and destroy my business overnight, right? I'm going to raise my prices and all my clients are going to quit coming. 
uh, you know, so that was a big one for me. And, and I heard you guys, I, I listened to your live podcast and I thought, you know, we, we talk about the great divide between, you know, shops like ours and our thoughts and our ideas and the things that we've shared today. And right. then there's the shop owner down the street who, you know, it's him and, you know, maybe a, a, a lube tech and they're struggling just to make ends meet. And, you know, he's working 60 hours a week and he's not making any money. And I have a conversation sometimes with those people and I tell them, you have the ability to make as much money as you want. You just got to put forth one piece of effort, just a yeah. little, just a little bit. Cause if you'll find is once you do one thing and it works, you're going to be hungry to do the next one and then the next one and then the next yes. one. And yeah. it's shocking how much pushback you get from people that you're trying to help. And I'm to the point in my life where now when I see someone who just doesn't want the help, I, I just, I walk away. I, I won't even, wow. you can't pay me to be their yeah. coach. I'm not doing it. <laughs> well, you know, I've I, met some people though that are not, it's not that they lack effort. They lack direction because they're working really hard at just the wrong things. And then there's others and that's one group and they're struggling, but I've met a lot of just getting by and they're, they're capable of a lot more. They could be making more money. They say they want it. But then you see their efforts and it's like, dude, I shouldn't have to pull your teeth to get you to do this one thing. Like answer the phone by the third ring. Can you do that? Well, I got really busy. Dude, it's just not going to work. If you can't answer the phone by the third ring, just something simple. Let's take baby steps here. I need you to answer the phone by the third ring. I need you to, to give a professional greeting. If you can do those things, then we can move on to the next thing. But if you can't even do that, and the reason being, they could. They're not hurting enough. To want to push themselves to get that done. And I'm feeling so that makes pain. Sense. They're like, yeah. they're making thirty, forty, fifty thousand dollars a year, and, and they're they're okay. Like they're they're taking home enough to pay the bills, and you know maybe other people in their lives want bigger things for them, but they they don't. They're and, they're and happy. They, they're content. That, that group is always the BCDers. Have you noticed that the blaming, complaining, and de, uh, denying or defending? Where'd you get that? BCD, you didn't come up with that. Is that an no, Andy of course Andrews I didn't come thing? up with that. I'll let you figure it out. Andy Andrews? I'll, I'll Google no. it. Don't think I won't. No. Uh, uh, you'll just have to search it and you'll just have to listen to the video. I, I uh, thought I'd let you know that uh, Cortez ended up burning all the ships and then uh, killed off everybody with smallpox. So, Well, hey, but you know what? He got his treasure, brother. Did he? Yeah. Couldn't spend it. Nobody was around. That's it. <laughs> That's it. But you know what? They took the treasure. <laughs> You know, I, burn the boat or die. Uh, I, I love the I love the 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 people who always say that won't work in my shop. Oh yeah, you know yeah. And I I just pull my hair out because I don't know how to respond to that. You know, there's only you know there's five thousand shops out there that doing that are doing that exact same thing that we're talking about. It works in every one of their shops, but yours is special. Oh wait a minute, you're only seven miles from me, and it works in my shop, but it won't work in your shop because your area doesn't just won't put up with it. You know what's so interesting about that is really when you dig into it, right? And you really look at this very, very closely. The, the, the thing of it is, is there is a system and so many of these consulting companies and coaching companies use a very similar system, right? You, the, the purpose of having multiple coaching or, or consulting companies, in my opinion, is find somebody that grooves with you and fits with you, right? Correct. But the reality of it is. 99.9% .9 of all businesses run on one sound financial principle. 
right? And and there's different metrics that we use to manage them and measure their performance. There's things that we can do differently in each kind of business. But auto repair has a pretty consistent program that most people can follow. And it's not rocket science, right? And, and you know, it, it's like um, David will know who I'm talking about. There, there There's a, a couple of friends of ours that they own a shop. They're a couple. And, and man, these, these two go at it like cats and dogs. They're always fussing at each other. And, and he's not saying anything. She's blaming him for all the problems. <laughs> that energy that they're focusing on trying to figure out whose damn fault it is. If they would put 1% of that towards following the freaking process that everybody else has used to be successful, man, right? That's what I'm saying. Like that, that dude, I mean, he's, he's content. He's comfortable. I don't know how you could be content. He's fine. Like he's the most chill guy you'll ever meet in your life. He's so chill. Like nothing bothers him. Is pot legal there? It is not. I don't think so. (laughs) Some people just love drama. Dude, I, I'm telling you. He is you, not I, a dramatic guy, though. He's just, he's so laid back and chill, like nothing bothers him. So, you know, the shop's on fire. I think if you were in, in that situation, you'd about have to be, or you'd have murdered somebody by now. Maybe he likes her <laughs> drama. I know, he, right? I think he likes her drama. Yeah. He likes that energy. Spicy. <laughs> don't, uh, oh, by the way, don't, not. don't, <laughs> don't, uh, don't Google BCD. Bad things come up. <laughs> I was honestly, up. I wasn't going to do that anyway. <laughs> well, about the pretty- eventually somebody will, will email me and say, do you know what comes up when you Google BCD? <laughs> David is very gullible. Okay. Of all the things, David is very, very, uh, it didn't, gullible. it didn't bring up what I was expecting. Like, you know, I looked up the, who, who was the, uh, the school's kill creativity guy. Who'd you say his name? Uh, sir, Ken Robinson, Ken Robinson. Yeah. So I Googled him and yeah, his Ted talk comes up and that's interesting. I, I think we all kind of intuitively knew that the school system was crushing the hopes and dreams of our little Dude, kids uh, hey, every you, single day. They come go with watch little that less video. spirit every single oh, Your Your kids are homeschooled, don't they? No, mine are. No, if if you will go watch that video, have you seen man, your daughter come so home hard. just slightly more crushed every single day when she comes home from school? I I think that it kills creativity. I I think that I I think you know. So he one of the things he says in his presentation is he says I don't think he said we're being told that ADD and ADHD is an epidemic, and he said I am not a doctor and I am not a scientist and I don't know. I'm sure it's a real disease. I'm sure it's a real thing. I'm not saying it's not, but he said, I'm telling you that you can see that it starts somewhere in Missouri. Like we can see the instances of it on this graph. It starts somewhere in Missouri. It's getting worse by Tennessee, you know, by the, the Eastern States it's getting really bad. And by the time you get to Washington DC, everybody's lost their mind. And I mean, he, he goes into ADD. He goes into some of these things that are happening, and, and he brings up the fact that you were trying to educate children on this this basic assembly line-like system that was developed in the Industrial Revolution, right, the Enlightening, and it was developed a long time ago, and, and it was not a point where things were as interesting as they are now. And so now we have video games, we have stimulation at high levels like we've never seen before. Yet you expect children to engage at the same level. 
And so it's a very, very interesting talk. And I, I would encourage anybody listening to go listen to it because it is a very interesting talk. It, it talks about a lot about how we learn. It talks about creativity and, and you don't realize what creativity you're missing until you listen to the video. It's pretty interesting. You got to go check it out. I'm definitely, I wrote that down earlier that I was going to take a look at that. Yeah. I, he, he passed away recently. Very brilliant, man. Um, and then, uh, the, uh, the BCD thing is, is Brian kite and, um, he talks about, you know, one of my big things is E plus R equals O. And so he talks about BCD in that acronyms. video. Do what? Brian kite likes his acronyms. He does. He does. But anyway, so yeah, <laughs> <laughs> I sent you the link, David. Send what link? link? To BCD? Oh, yeah. Yeah, since you. I saw those links. I'm going to pass. Okay. I, listen, I'm not. I don't, I don't need to be involved in all that again. nonsense. I'm thinking, <laughs> I'm David, you should this. be hiding your computer from your kids if you're looking up BCD. <laughs> I know, right? <laughs> David, why don't you go search BSD or is it BDS? Mm, I don't know. Just try them both. <laughs> it's a family show, Lucas. Come on, keep it clean. <laughs> Oh my God! Hey, so Bill, uh, one of the like, so so I used to um, I used to be part of the coaching group that Bill uh, coaches with within, and one of the most impactful things I ever heard you say, I mean, this was a a game changer for me because I remember sure it was stressing. Me. I'm telling you, it was you, 100. percent It was you. I, I'm not kidding. This was this was years ago, but um this changed my mindset so much in the way I approach my business and the way I deal with technicians, because I used to stress about bringing on a technician thinking I'm not going to be able to afford their pay. They're going to want too much money. What am I going to do about getting this? Uh, you know, I'm squabbling over 25 versus 27 versus 30 versus 32. You, you see what I'm saying? So Absolutely. I'm looking at the pennies of it. Thinking, how am I going to afford this? How am I going to deal with this? How much business do I need to bring in this, that, and the other? And you said, a even a mildly competent technician can make you twenty to twenty-five thousand a month out of that pay. So you're squabbling over five or six or seven or ten thousand dollars a year. Not having that technician in that bay is costing you in gross revenue twenty-five thousand dollars a month, and you're squabbling over ten grand. Yes. Like spend the money, get them in the door and have them start producing and you'll make money just having them there versus figuring out how you're going to squeeze an extra 5,000 off their salary in negotiations, get them in the door. And oh man. And, and to this day, I, I talk to technicians that are like, oh, I don't know if I can afford that guy. What are you talking about? If he's mildly competent, he's going to make you twenty to twenty-five thousand. I mean, I just repeat it verbatim. <laughs> and as soon as I say it, you know, hey, that guy's going to make you three hundred thousand. You know, if he's mildly competent, he's going to make you three hundred thousand dollars in gross revenue having him in there. And you're worried about paying him seventy versus eighty thousand. Just pay him the eighty. Get him in the door. And he'll make you three hundred thousand. Like, what are you doing? Why are you waiting? The hardest part. This is what's really frustrating. This is what drives me absolutely bananas. The hardest part is getting a good technician to apply. And then the second hardest part is to get them to show up for the interview. And now that you have them 
interviewed, you sh- they applied, you have them interviewed, and now you're going to squabble over dollars? You're going to squabble over a, a few dollars, too. Like, what are you doing? Now, you know, if you're expecting the, to pay the guy 50 and the guy wants 120, okay, well, this is a divide here. Let's talk about this. Let's let's figure out how we're going to get to 120. When I was expecting you to, to expect 50, tell me how you're worth 120. But even if he, even if it's that wide of a divide, like, if he can justify it, what are you doing? Get him in the door and pay him 120. What's the worst case scenario if you hire a guy and you're paying him, he, you want to pay him 40 and he wants 50. What's the worst that's going to happen that you, to you as a business if you got to pay him the 50? And you're going to find out he's not worth 50 and you're going to get rid of him? I mean, yeah. that's the, if he's totally incompetent, he's totally not teachable, he's totally not on board with your culture, he's not going to do any of the things you need for him to do, and he does whatever he wants, whenever he wants, and he doesn't do very good quality work, worst case scenario, just going to get rid of him. But I'd rather have the chance to make the guy better because um, maybe he's come from a shop that didn't require what we require. And so he doesn't know how to be a professional. So we need to teach him that, right? You know, he's used to being two guys. One guy's screaming across the shop to the other guy, and they're yelling at each other all the time. And he even comes into your shop, and things are calm, and everybody has a job. Everybody knows their job. Everybody does their job. Now he's found paradise. Now he's just got to understand. He's just got to grow with the rest of the team. And, and I, I, I've seen that many cases with lots of technicians that I've interviewed over the years, you know, and, and unfortunately for me, you know, I've had a lot of technicians who I have, we have trained so well that they've left and become, you know, um, supervisors somewhere else or managers somewhere else or have gone to a different shop or they've opened up their own shop. I, I have never believed in holding anybody back. If somebody thinks that they can do a better job and make more money and it's going to be a growth experience for them, as long as they're not going backwards, I'm always good for making that happen because as an industry, we need to be better at helping each other rather than hurting each other and holding each other back. Depends on the situation though. I got to, I got to push back on that. I had a, I had a technician that came to work for me, then got recruited by a shop down the street and he, he had the opportunity to hire the guy. He didn't do it because of COVID. He used that as an excuse. Oh, I, I balked on hiring this guy. This, a talented technician, super bright future, super smart, very mature. Like this is this is a slam dunk. Like I didn't I didn't hesitate to offering him a job. Like like right now he didn't leave. I fed him ta- tamales from across the street, which were legit fantastic tamales and here's your offer boom and and he took it and then a month later two months later something like that he he gets a call from the other shop and in his mind he thought he was going to get a better opportunity at that other shop because they worked on on land rovers and um some euro some other european <laughs> Big surprise he there. thought <laughs> yeah he thought he was like man i really want to work on those cars and um and I, I think I'm going to get a better opportunity to learn at that shop than if I stay here. And I said, you think you want to work on those cars. You haven't worked on them yet enough to know you don't want to work on those cars. <laughs> but <laughs> regardless of that, you're not going to get the same um, freedom at that other shop that you will hear for these reasons. And I made the case. And I, could I have said, okay, I understand I just knew that that wasn't true. I knew he had, he was going to grow more as a technician 
as a person, as uh, in, in the, within the industry, his influence in the industry. He's a really bright future. He's, he's got goals, you know, that he, that he wants to hit, um, a little side business that I want to absolutely help him with. I know that I can offer him a whole lot more than that other shop, other than, you know, being the, having the opportunity to work on a, a few more Land Rovers. And I had to, I had to paint that picture and I had to stop him because I knew he was making a mistake. I did successfully stop him. So I'm super happy about that. But I don't, I don't know. There's, there are very few shops in Kansas City that if one of my technicians walked up and said, I got an offer at this other place and I think it's a better opportunity than it is here. I, I don't know. Maybe that's a pride or ego thing on me, but. I'm sorry, but that's just not true, sir. <laughs> and maybe <laughs> it's I, not a better opportunity. Maybe it's I didn't not. say it, or I didn't make it clear enough for me. I won't hold anybody back if it's a. I will hold them back if it's a side move or a backwards move. I'm going to try and talk them out of it. But yeah. if it's a forward move, I am definitely not going to hold them back unless I, you know, unless I really it, feel it's a bad be, move. Well, I think they're they're not going to leave if it's not. If in their in their mind, per, yeah, you know, it's right. perception. But absolutely, they would have it have to be something. St- massively forward and something I can't offer them at all. You know, you know what I'm saying? Sure. Like, it, like, Hey, I got, I got recruited to be the quarterback of the Kansas city chiefs. It's like, okay, I can't offer that to you at all in any way, shape or form. So congratulations, go have fun. <laughs> I, but within the automotive industry, man, I don't know. I, it, it maybe if they wanted to open their own shops, but you know what? I think they see the, the wrinkles on my face, the loss of hair, the gray beard and, and the uh, occasional uh, ulcers <laughs> on me and go, you know what? I, I don't want that. And I think I offer every single one of my employees the keys to the shop on a daily basis. Like, this is all yours, buddy. I just need half a honey bun. And this sucker <laughs> is all yours. <laughs> I will half make this cheap. Bun, maybe 50 I will cents, sell or finance. Man. I will sell or finance that sucker. So you don't you don't have to come up with any cash. You just said you just got to take over. Let me walk away free and clear. That's it. You can have it. You can have it all. They never take it. They run. I don't know why. I don't know what I'm doing wrong. <laughs> they run. <laughs> well, let me get my pen and paper. <laughs> well, I'm talking about selling. You know, presenting the offer because you know if I was young, in my early 20s, and somebody walked up to me and said, "Hey, uh, here are the keys." I just need you to pay the bills and the the debt that's left on the on the the business, and this sucker's yours. Oh, okay. Bet I'd be all over it. Maybe I need to hire slightly younger technicians. More. Um, there you go. Is that what it is? I have no idea. <laughs> <laughs> anyway, Bill, this was awesome. Yep. It was Thank a lot of so fun. Much, I think that uh, I'm glad that uh, I finally got to speak with the two of you. I listen to your podcast all the time. I've been awesome. a longtime supporter. Um, you, <clears throat> you guys always put a smile on my face, and I always hear something <laughs> interesting. So, Well, thank you so much. That's awesome, dude. Well, I hope you enjoyed this episode of the ASOG Podcast. If you'd like to catch these episodes early, you can do so by becoming a patron. Just go to asog.site and click on the Become a Patron Now button. Becoming a patron helps support the show, gets you several perks, and is tax-deductible. Make sure you subscribe to the podcast and on YouTube so you don't miss any of our upcoming episodes. And as always, if you have any questions, comments, or concerns, shoot me an email. My email address is david at asog.site. 
That's D-A-V-I-D at A-S-O-G dot S-I-T-E. Until next time. you enjoyed this episode of the ASOG podcast. Before I let you go, I need to ask you a question. Are you using the best innovative shop management system in the country? If you doubt that you are, why are you making your life harder? Shopware stays one step ahead of everyone else by bringing a clean, easy to use program unlike anything else on the market. Go to getshopware.com and see what I mean today. That's getshopware.com. Check it out. Thank you for listening to the Changing the Industry podcast. If you enjoyed the show, do us a favor and leave us a review on your favorite podcast player. And don't forget to set it to automatically download the latest episode. Our efforts with this podcast, the YouTube channel, and the Facebook group wouldn't be possible without the support of our awesome sponsors. So please take a moment, check them out by clicking on the links in the show notes.